Ecclesiastes chapter 10. Let's go there, Ecclesiastes chapter 10. We're going to continue our study of the book of Ecclesiastes under this title, Life. How then should we live? And uh, of course, in a lot of ways, uh, what we've learned from the book of Ecclesiastes is how not to live life. Uh, Solomon uh, gives us many warnings, and he speaks so often from his own experiences of living life, as he put it, under the sun, uh, living life uh, with, with no with no greater perspective than, than what we have right here. And because he lived his life with no thought of life beyond or uh, no thought of, of God uh, for such a long period of time, he made a lot of mistakes. And he laments those mistakes, uh, especially in the first part of the book of Ecclesiastes. And then as we have, have progressed through the book of Ecclesiastes. He's beginning now to teach us some very practical things about life, and we'll, uh, we'll talk about uh, some of that tonight. Those of you who have been around sports and keep up with sports know that a good coach compared to a mediocre or poor coach, can really make a world of difference. One such coach is a man by the name of, of Lou Holtz. Lou Holtz has become a living legend among college football coaches, um, but they say that to see him face to face, you wouldn't know it. Lou Holtz is a little bitty short guy. But what he makes, or excuse me, what he lacks in size, he makes up for in intensity and in focus and a burning desire to win. He's coached for a number of, of teams on a collegiate level. Uh, he coached for Arkansas, he coached for Minnesota, coached for Notre Dame, and he coached for South Carolina. And without fail, listen to this, without fail, he has turned his team around, taking them to a bowl game by the second season. No other coach has done that. And I don't know how he pulls it off, but I know this, if I were a college football player, I would want Lou Holtz to be my coach. Because he can teach a team to win. The same can be said of Lou Holtz, perhaps, that was once said of the legendary Bear Bryant of University of Alabama fame. Somebody once said this about Bear Bryant. He can take his team and beat yours, and he can take your team and beat his. Think about that. That's what a good coach does. He inspires a team to play to the best of its ability and beyond. That's why in the world of sports, when the team is winning, the coach gets a raise. <laughs> but when the team is losing, 
He gets a pink slip. A coach can make that much of a difference. And what is true in the world of sports is also true in the business world and quite honestly, even in the Lord's work. A coach, a boss, a department head, a supervisor, a pastor, a ministry leader can make a huge difference. Those of you who work in the secular world know well how much of a difference good leadership can make. No doubt you have seen a floundering business flourish when the right person comes in and takes over. Or maybe you've, you've seen a department that was uh, just a mess, was a total wreck. You've seen somebody come in there and, and turn that department around. I'm talking about a, a person who has the wisdom and the courage to make the right decisions. And when that happens, over time, everything begins to change. But by the same token, you have probably seen businesses or departments where you work just go straight down the tubes because of poor leadership. Somebody comes in there that doesn't, is not a good leader, is not a good decision maker, doesn't exercise good judgment. We'll talk a little bit about that tonight. Uh, that department or that business can just go south in a hurry. I know of, I know of churches that, I mean, we're on the brink of closing their doors. When God put a man in the pulpit who through his preaching and leadership literally revived that church and turned things around, and now they're flourishing ministries. And, and I don't want to give all the credit to the man. I, we understand tonight that, that ultimately it's God but God works through men who exercise good leadership. But by the same token, I've also witnessed once flourishing ministries who are now struggling to keep the doors open because somebody came in and exercised poor leadership. That's why if I were a professional athlete or a man or woman in the workplace, I would want to play for or work for a really good boss or a good coach. But here's where reality kicks in. It doesn't always work that way, does it? We don't always get to choose who we work for. You don't always get to choose who you play for. And the truth is, some of those individuals just aren't very good when it comes to leadership. And we're, we'll learn toward the end of our study how to deal with that. Because there is a proper way, according to Solomon, how to respond to poor leadership. In our text from Ecclesiastes chapter 10, 
Solomon deals with, with leaders and he deals with those who follow them. Specifically, as we'll word it tonight, he talks about incompetent leaders and he talks about invaluable laborers. Let me give you some characteristics from, from Ecclesiastes chapter 10 of incompetent leaders. You can see the first one there. Incompetent leaders get angry easily. Look at verse 4. If the spirit of the ruler, all right, the leader, rise up against thee, leave not thy place. We'll, we'll come back and talk about uh, the last part of that here in a minute. The rising up of the spirit of a ruler is a reference to a leader who is prone to losing his or her temper. The picture here is of a leader, perhaps, who screams and shouts at everyone around them. These kinds of leaders tend to be ego-driven and are generally very abusive. What makes this kind of individual incompetent is the fact, listen, that if he or she cannot exercise control over their own spirit, then how can they effectively exercise the right kind of control over others? And I might add here that intimidation is not leadership. You get that? Intimidation is not leadership. And neither is manipulation. Those aren't good leadership. Back to the ruling of our spirit. I want you to listen to a couple of verses. Again, the words of Solomon, but from the book of Proverbs. In Proverbs chapter 16, verse 32, Solomon said this, He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he that ruleth his spirit than he that taketh a city. In other words, it doesn't make any difference how many kingdoms you conquer or how many games you win or how many jobs you complete or how many sales records you break. None of that matters if you cannot conquer your own spirit. And then Solomon said this in Proverbs chapter 25 and verse 28. He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. In other words, lack of self-control leaves us vulnerable to all kinds of other negative things. And so the first thing we need to understand about incompetent leaders is that they are very easily angered. So they, they get angry easily. And then here's the second characteristic uh, that, uh, that Solomon points out. Incompetent leaders promote unwisely. Look at verse 5. There is an evil which I have seen under the sun. 
as an error which proceedeth from the ruler. And here it is. Folly is set in great dignity, and the rich sit in low place. Solomon said, I have seen servants upon horses and princes walking as servants upon the earth. Now, what's wrong with this picture? I'll tell you what's wrong. You've got unqualified people in positions they have no business being in. You with me? Look, look, look at it. You have servants riding on horses while the princes are walking. You have men given to folly or to foolishness in places that call for dignity. While those who are rich in knowledge and skill, men who, or women who have much to offer, are relegated to lowly offices where their impact for good will never be realized. That's the result of incompetent leadership. They promote unwisely. To make application to our day and age, incompetent leaders promote incompetent people. It's sad when the most experienced and capable in an organization fall prey to lousy leadership and organizational politics and get passed over. That is simply poor leadership. And here's one thing that I've come to discover over the years. One reason some leaders do not promote the strongest and best among them and opt rather for the weaker and less capable is simply this. They're insecure. They're insecure. They, they cannot stand the thought of being surrounded with people who are better than they are. But the truth of the matter is, in good leadership, good leaders surround themselves with good people. And in some cases, people who are better than they are. But an insecure leader won't do that. Number one, they're afraid that maybe they'll do better than they are and somebody above them will see it and promote them and they'll lose their position. Or sometimes they're just afraid that that person's going to get too much credit, too much attention, and they're not going to get enough of it and their insecurities just cannot deal with that. You tracking with me? I like what Warren Wearsby said here about these verses. The best rulers and leaders are men and women who are tough-minded but tender-hearted, who put the best people on the horses and don't apologize for it. Mm. So many areas of application right there. 
let's move on. Look at verse 16. Incompet incompetent leaders behave foolishly. Look at verse 16, the first part. Woe to thee, O land, when the king is a child. Immaturity is the sure sign of incompetent leadership. And just, just so you know, Solomon is not talking here about the quantity of years. He's talking about the quality of character. Listen, you've seen it, I've seen it. A person can be 50 years old and be an immature leader. Age has nothing to do with leadership in this, in this sense. It's not about somebody being young, somebody being old. It's about character. Here's, here's one sure sign that somebody is an immature leader, and that is indulgence. Look at the second part of verse 16. It said, Woe to thee, O land, when, the, when the king, thy king is a child, and, prince, and thy princes eat, in the morning, verse 19, a feast is made for laughter, and wine maketh merry, but money answereth all things. Incompetent, immature leaders, with their self-indulgent lifestyle, focus on themselves and their needs or their desires, while caring little for the needs of of those they serve or those they are supposed to serve. So a sure sign of somebody who is an incompetent leader because they're immature is because of their, 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 their actions of indulgence. But here's another one according to verse 18. It's indifference. Look at verse 18. By much slothfulness, the building decayeth. And through idleness of the hands, the house droppeth through. What's Solomon saying there? He's saying that incompetent leaders are so into themselves and into filling their own needs that they give no heed to the fact that their business is crumbling or their ministry is falling apart, or the nation, or their districts, or their counties, or their communities are in a shamble. None of that matters to them. And if you've been watching the news the last 24 hours, that has been borne out big time in Washington. When people don't don't care about how things are going where they're from they just want what they want I mean their district it doesn't matter that people are walking in human feces just as long as they get what they want I don't mean to be political here but so excuse me but that's the point that Solomon is making that's poor leadership 
Look at the contrast, verse 17. Look at the contrast between poor leaders and good ones. Blessed art thou, O land, when thy king is the son of nobles, and thy princes eat in due season for strength and not for drunkenness. So there's a huge difference. What they do, they do properly, and they do it at the right time, they do it for the right reason. It's not about self-promotion, it's about serving those around them, about preserving the good of the organization that they're in. That is good leadership. But Solomon didn't only talk about leadership in, in these verses. He also addresses those who serve underneath that leadership. Whether that leadership is good or bad. And no doubt some of you, again, have been in the workforce long enough. You've served under good leadership. And you've served under bad leadership. And I want you to understand this tonight. Just because you may work for an incompetent leader, listen, that does not give you an excuse to be incompetent yourself. Shame on you. If you lower yourself to his or her standards of conduct. Solomon gives us a couple of characteristics of invaluable laborers. And I, I hope, and I'm speaking now as your pastor to you as a member of Fellowship Baptist Church, I hope that's the kind of worker you are. I love it when, when our when our people are asked by their employers, hey, do you think there's anybody else at your church that would be interested in a job? Listen, that speaks well of those that are out there serving and representing not only the Lord, but they're representing the fellowship family. That speaks well of you. And that's the way it ought to be. I could point out two people that are here tonight to whom that has been asked. Is there anybody else at your church that we could hire? Hey, listen, that's better than saying, oh, they go to your church. Or, oh, they go to church with you. Right? So here's a couple of things that, that Solomon points out. I go back to verse 4. We've already looked at it once, but go back there. One is that they are long-suffering. Verse 4, he said, If the spirit of the ruler rise up against thee, watch this, leave not thy place, for yielding pacifieth great offenses. Peter offers similar words. Watch this, in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 18. He said, Servants... We understand that the equivalent to that would be employees, laborers, workers. Be subject 
to your masters, your bosses, those in leadership over you, with all fear. And then notice what he said. Not only to the good and gentle, and isn't it easy to work for a good leader? It's awesome. Just ask our staff. It's incredible. <laughs> Thank you, Tanner. We'll do lunch tomorrow. The rest of these yahoos are on their own. Not only to the good and gentle that look at this church, but also to the froward. The froward would be those who are difficult to deal with. Don't raise your hand. I'm afraid some of the staff would raise theirs. Tanner wouldn't. But how many of you had, have had to work for a difficult leader? Mm -hmm. Colton, son, don't raise your hand. You haven't ever worked for me, have you? Okay, good. Listen, just because those in authority over you act foolishly doesn't mean that you should react in the same way. And I know how hard that is. Our first reaction when we see those in authority abusing their power and mistreating their subordinates, especially when it's us, is to just walk out. Solomon knew that. That's why he said what he said. Just, I'm done. See, to our way of thinking, it's better to do that than to stick around and do something foolish ourselves. But Solomon says that there's a better way to handle those situations. Solomon's suggestion is that we don't panic, we don't quit, we don't leave, we don't overreact to an overreaction, but rather stay put and stay calm. Now, I don't, wouldn't expect you to, to remember this, but we talked a little bit about this way back in, in chapter, not way back, but a couple chapters earlier in chapter 8. And we, we studied there Solomon's counsel. In, 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 it's in verse 3, the first part of verse 3 of chapter 8. And I went back and looked at my notes, and, and here's what I said during that message. Many a foolish, impulsive, impatient person has rushed out of a room, whether it be a bedroom, a meeting room, a classroom, a locker room, or a conference room, only to regret it later on. The impulsive person who overreacts and storms out of a room is probably only making the problem worse. Wisdom helps us understand people and situations 
and to figure out the right thing to do at the right time. I want to remind you of something that Paul said in the book of Romans chapter 12 and verse 18. He said, if, watch this, if it be possible, he puts a disclaimer there, if it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. In other words, do everything you can, everything possible to get along. That's what he says there. Do everything possible. And you know why he said, if it be possible? Because he had common sense enough to know that sometimes you can do everything and there's just not going to be any peace. You can, you, can, you can do everything we've talked about tonight. You can do everything the scriptures tell you to do. You can act in every conceivable good way. And there are just some people that you're not going to be able to live peaceably with. Paul knew that, but he said, we ought to give it a shot. We ought to give it our best shot. When you find yourself in the workplace dealing with an obnoxious, temperamental, ego-driven leader, Stay calm in the face of his or her tirades. Follow the scripture. Try underreacting. And remember that a soft answer turns away wrath. <laughs> I chuckle at that because that's, uh, that has been a teaching point among my daughter and her oldest son. I, in the last week, I've probably heard her say that to him as, as he's gotten into it with his little brother. She has said, I, 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 I. a soft answer turns away wrath. You've been memorizing that, haven't you, Huck? Huh? You've been memorizing that verse? Yes, sir. That's probably like number 16 or 17 now, the little guy's got memorized. Three years old, man, he's awesome. But a soft answer turns away wrath. And listen, staying put in the kinds of situations that we're talking about has a way of maturing us and teaching us. Now, go to verse 20. Here's the second characteristic of an invaluable worker. Say, preacher, you're, you're missing a lot of verses in here. We'll pick those up next week. But look at verse 20. Curse not the king. No, not in thy thought. And curse not the rich in thy bedchamber. Watch this. For a bird of the air shall carry the voice. And that which hath wings shall tell the matter. Have you ever heard it said or said yourself, a little bird told me? 
You know where that comes from? It comes from Ecclesiastes chapter 10 and verse 20. Picture a, uh, picture a group of the king's men gathered together at a party or wherever. And instead of toasting him, they are roasting him. They're saying things that they wouldn't be saying if he were present. Or if they thought that someone in the room was loyal to him. But here's here's what Solomon teaches us tonight. Somehow, word gets back to the king. A little bird tells him that his men have been disloyal. So the king at that point has no other option but to either discipline them or dismiss them. Now let's apply the same scenario to the workplace. A group of workers standing around at break or at lunch, and the topic of their conversation is the boss. And no one has anything good to say. And everyone is critical. You know what you call that? It's called disloyalty. And listen, more times than not, it's going to come back to bite you. As a bird of the air carries your voice back to the boss. Even if you have zero respect for the person in the office, have respect for the office itself, enough to be loyal. Church, listen, if you can't be loyal, then find another place to work. Because there's more than your paycheck at stake here. It's your testimony as a believer and it's our testimony as a body of believers that we call the fellowship family. So to wrap it up, whether you're a leader or a laborer, you have a God-given responsibility to conduct yourself in a way that is becoming to your position. And again, that is even more true for those who claim to be Christians. Every action and every reaction has a consequence, both here and in eternity. And we would do well tonight to govern the way we handle ourselves, whether it's in the workplace or in in the church or in whatever organization we find ourselves in, whether we're at the top or whether we're serving under those who are at the top. We have some obligations and responsibilities 
according to the word of God. And God help us tonight to live up to those. 